Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. You know, running in life can be bitter and sweet. And today's story puts that into perspective. And then I'm going to share a story about how not to do things. And of course, joining me once again is Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. You sound like you've had experience there, Dean. I have, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Too much. Too much. Well, how's your week been? It's been good, except for one thing. What's that? That I want to talk about. Rick Hoyt passed away yeah, I saw that. this week. Yeah. And uh if you don't know who Rick and Dick Hoyt are, then uh, and you if you don't know you're in the minority because mm-hmm. most people know who they are. But Rick and Dick Hoyt were, you know, Dick pushed his son Rick. He had cerebral palsy and really was immobile and his father pushed him through triathlon after triathlon, mm-hmm. through 32 Boston marathons. And uh, it all came to fruition one time when um, Rick, the child, decided that he wanted to participate in a five-mile race mm-hmm. one day because it was going to help somebody who had been, become paralyzed as a lacrosse player. And he wanted to be part of that. And so he told his dad, I want to I run in that race. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the only way he could run in it was for his dad to push him. His dad had never run before. And his dad was like, well, if that's what Rick wants, that's what Rick gets. And yeah. so he, he he started working out with uh, – he, he, he put uh, cement bags into a stroller, into a wheelchair, and mm-hmm. pushed it around to train for it. And they went out there and did it. And when, when they got through um, – what was the quote? The quote, Rick said, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not handicapped. Yeah. And from that point on, you know, of course, Dick was grabbed the bull by the horns and they participated in all these other events. They competed in 1130 events. That's insane. You know, if if you were one of the early instructors of Run for God, we used to have that video Mm -hmm. in the instructor's kit, Uh, the video that they put out. We would buy hundreds at a time from them. And uh, because, gosh, I mean, there's there's not much more inspiration than the story of those two. Yeah. Um, and what's cool about it is is they're hopefully running together again now. That's right. That's um, right. But, yeah, I, I actually got a chance to to talk with, I think her name was Teresa, which was Dick's girlfriend. They weren't, he wasn't married. Uh, but I talked with her on several occasions when ordering those DVDs. And, um, yeah, it was just incredible. I mean, they spurred on a worldwide, I mean, my team Triumph yeah. came as a result of them, and there's you see a lot of that nowadays. Yeah. But they were really the pioneers of that. They and were. Uh, I mean, he would do Ironman. He he would swim with a boat attached to him, pulling the boat, yeah. you know, the raft with his son in it. Yeah. And then of course he would run and and bike. Had a special built bike yeah. made that he could. You know, his son was on the front of it, full grown man. I mean, so it wasn't a lot. Yeah. A lot thing to carry um but yeah just incredible and how many years ago was it that dick died it's been just a couple 2021 21 okay i was thinking two or three yeah so um yeah Yeah, and you know i don't know if you knew this i didn't know this but do you know that 
they ran under 18 minutes. He ran under 18 minutes for 5K. Wow. Pushing. <laughs> That's pretty wow. impressive. That is. <laughs> I did not realize that. And he didn't even start running until he was 36 years old. So Yeah. Yeah, the video that we had was um, a lot of the footage was from they, there was a Dateline special on them. Yeah. NBC did a whole special on them. Yeah. And, of course, they always talked about them a lot during the Ironman World Finals every year. And I think there's a big statue of them. It, is it at the Boston starting line Boston or somewhere starting in Boston? starting line in yeah. Hopkinton. Yep, yeah. it sure is. And yep. I know uh, several of our instructors knew them. I think Robert uh, LaPointe, is that his name? Um, he actually ran with them several times oh, wow. and um, was part of their team. So, yeah, just uh, it's the end of an era there. But, um, I mean, they, what a legacy they, they left behind, for yeah, sure. For sure, yep. So, hey, before we get going, let's talk about our sponsor this week, uh, Outer Elements. Uh, established in 2011, Outer Elements is a design-build landscape company servicing northwest Georgia and Chattanooga areas, specializing in the latest techniques in landscape architecture and design. Outer Elements has the professional experience to develop a wide range of projects in both commercial and residential sectors. From irrigation installation, hardscape construction, planning, and beyond, Outer Elements can help you conceptualize any landscape project and make it into a reality. Give them a call at 678-445-1968 to connect with a passionate landscape architect. Landscape architect. I like the way that sounds. Yeah, it's a a growing field. (laughs) It it is. Uh, It's uh, it's something we didn't really start using until just several years back on the construction side. And uh, they can really help you see things that... I can kind of visualize things, yeah. but a lot of people can't. And yeah. so they really kind of bring a project to life before it's ever started. So yeah. they're pretty cool. Pretty impressive. How about our Facebook post from last week? Jan Klemp says, Today I ran the Cellcom half marathon in my hometown of Green Bay. I was able to get a PR and was third in my age group. When the going got tough, I cried out to Jesus. He is the reason I run pain-free at 60, even though I've been told my neck is full of arthritis and my spine is twisted and misaligned. When I think about quitting, I just can't because I feel God telling me to run. My son John ran this race, too. He is my best running buddy. I shared on the podcast how I inspired him to start running, and now he is so fast. He finished in one hour and 28 minutes for the for eighth in his age group. Keep running for God, everyone. It's worth it. Hour and 28 minutes. That's pretty fast. It is pretty fast. Yeah. For a young man. It is. Yeah. I love this post, though. You know, she says, when the going got tough, she cried out to Jesus. And I really think that should be our default. If our default is as soon as things get hard, that's what we start reaching for, for mm-hmm. Jesus and saying, Lord, help me. It make all the difference in in our entire life in everything that we do. Don't yeah. you think? It's uh, it, and then and then the question is, it, she's got all these problems, and you know, our, our first thought is to go to excuses. Right. It's to go to blaming, or it's to go to whining, or <laughs> some other place. And her first thought is to go to go there. Um, the question is, if you're out there and you're listening. And you're making excuses. What's what's your excuse? You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on here before. You know, that's what I love about what we do. We get to read all these incredible stories where people just didn't give themselves excuses. Uh, but I'll never forget. I know you know this story, but I don't think we ever talked about it. But I did a triathlon 
this has been years ago down in um, Rome, Georgia. And uh, it was the first time I met Scott Rigsby. And uh, I was, of course, Scott is the first ever double amputee Ironman. He, uh, he was the mm-hmm. first guy with no legs to do an Ironman. Um, and uh, so I was out on the run in this race, and I was I was doing fairly well. And I, I come up beside a guy who it was obvious he was just struggling. You know, you come up beside some people, and he was ahead of me, so obviously he was doing very well. But he was just fading quick, and I was I was about to come by him at a pretty good pace. And uh, so I slowed down for just a minute, and I said, you know, man, you're doing great. He's, you know, keep going. Just trying to give him a little word of encouragement. And, and I won't say exactly what he said because he used some words that I, don't, I wouldn't use. But he basically said, there's a guy here with no legs. What's my excuse? <laughs> basically saying, I would have already quit. Yeah. But there's yeah. a guy here with no legs, so I have zero excuse. And that is such a good – you know, he could have turned that into – he. He was self-pity. I mean, he was just down on himself, and he was just falling back as a result. But if he would have took that and used it to – and maybe he did. Maybe he yeah. finished, and he wouldn't have finished. Right. You know, had he hadn't that, had that. But it's just – it's a great example of we can be having – and it's, this isn't just running. Yeah. We can, we can have the worst days. We can be having the worst run, the worst walk, whatever it is that we thought we've ever had. Somebody has it worse. That's right. And uh, we always need to keep that in mind. Yeah, you know, sure. just like we always, just like you always say, there's always somebody faster. That's right. We need to keep that in perspective. But there's always somebody that has it worse than we do. We also mm-hmm. need to keep that in perspective. So yeah. I think that's exactly what Jan said here. Yep, it is. Good story. Our trivia question from last week was: Bob Hayes was the fastest man in the world in 1964 and won the Olympic 100 meter race. Bob didn't finish his career as a runner, though. What did Bob Hayes do for a living after his short running career? Did you know this one? I thought I knew this, but I no. Yeah, he was I was going to say he was a commentator. That that name sounded like I don't know. Maybe it just sounds like a commentator name. Yeah, I think there wasn't there a Hayes or somebody. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Anyway, he played football for the Dallas Cowboys for eleven years. Uh, so, and I'm sure there's some Cowboy fans listening because there's. There's so many Cowboys fans, and there's so many Cowboys haters. They're one of those teams, you know? <laughs> and Texas is our biggest state. Yeah, so. that's right. That's right. So, uh, so yeah, whether you like them or you hate them. Yeah. Uh, Bob Hayes, um, this is what the Wikipedia thing says. Robert Lee Hayes, uh, nicknamed Bullet Bob, was an American sprinter and professional football player. After winning gold medals in the 1964 Olympics, he played as a split end in the National Football League for the Dallas Cowboys for 11 seasons. Hayes is the only athlete to win both an Olympic gold medal and a Super Bowl ring. He was a two-time sports standout in college, both in track and field and football at Florida A&M University. Hayes was enshrined in the Dallas Cowboys Ring of Honor in 2001 and was selected for induction in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in January 2009. Hayes is the second Olympic gold medalist to be inducted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame after Jim Thorpe. He was once considered the world's fastest human by virtue of his multiple world records in the 60-yard, 100-yard, 220-yard, and Olympic 100-meter dashes. He was inducted into the United States Olympic Hall of Fame. This is one thing that happened at one point in time. His football coach, Jake Gaither, was not very high on giving Hayes time to train. So he got a call from President Lyndon Johnson. (laughs) 
<laughs> saying, dude, you got to let this guy train. He's got to compete for us in the Olympics. So uh, would you be perceptive? Would you would you uh, be receptive? Receptive. Would you be receptive? If one of your girls was needing to do something, you're like, no, we need to focus. If the president called you and said, yeah. Dean, come on, man. Yeah, I'd probably kind of, uh, I might change my focus. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, boy, you, at least at, at, at a minimum, you have to realize this is a big deal. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, gold medal and Super Bowl ring. That is, well, I mean, he, yeah, he's the only one to do it. But that is pretty incredible when you think about it because both of those both of those are things that people work their whole life to do. That's right. And he did both of them. That's right. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a gazillion runners out there who worked their tails off and never got there. And Focus a, solely on that. Yep. And there's a gazillion NFL players that never got a ring. And yeah. he got both. Yeah. That's crazy. Pretty impressive. At the 1964 Summer Olympics in Tokyo, Hayes had his finest hour as a sprinter. First, he won the 100 meters and in so doing tied the then world record in the 100 meters with a time of 10.06 seconds. Even though he was running in lane one, which had the day before been used for the 20 kilometer race walk and this badly and was badly chewed up on the cinder track. He also was running in borrowed spikes because one of his shoes had been kicked under the bed when he was playing with some friends, and he didn't realize it until he got there. This was followed by a second gold medal in the 4x100-meter relay, which also produced a new world record, 39.06 seconds. His come-from-behind win for the U.S. team in the relay was one of the most memorable Olympic moments. Hand-timed between 8.5 and 8.9 seconds, his relay is the fastest in history. Jocelyn Delacour, France's anchor leg runner, famously said to Paul Drayton before the relay final that, You can't win. All you have is Bob Hayes. Drayton was able to reply afterwards, that's all we need. <laughs> the race was also Hayes' last as a track and field athlete as he permanently switched to football after it, aged only 21. Wow. World record holder at 21, and then he gave it up and went to play football. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. But he had a great career with the Dallas Cowboys. It is thought that perhaps that defense has actually changed the way they defended the pass because of Bob Hayes, because he was so fast. Um, he just, he was, he's still to this day one of the top 10 Dallas Cowboy receivers of all time um, in most offensive categories. And that was from a time when, you know, passing wasn't as prolific back then as it is today and has been for, for a number of years now. So that was, he was a, a heck of an athlete, apparently. And um, I don't know that I ever saw him. I think, actually, you know what? I think when I was really young, the Miami Dolphins, I remember watching them. I got into football when Miami Dolphins went 17-0 back in 1972. I know. That's way before you were born. <laughs> but <laughs> but that's when I really got into NFL football, and he was playing at that time. So, uh, wow. yeah, it was uh, good. And he went through some tough times as well. Um, you know, he, of course he, he, he came up in an era when, um, you know, black folks weren't treated quite as well as they are today. Mm -hmm. And, um, he overcame all of that and, uh, and was, a was a great athlete, um, and a good ambassador for the game too, as I understand it. Wow. Yep. Well, Dean, we got some really cool stuff going on around here. There's so much stuff that I want to talk about, but I can't talk about right now. We'll get to that. Um, but we got the uh, probably as of when this podcast releases, the Fourth of July shirts 
uh, will be on sale in the store. So if you've never gotten the chance to, you've seen those, but you're, you get on the store and you're like, where are those? Well, they're only for sale one week or um, excuse me, three weeks out of every year, and it's the weeks leading into the 4th of July. We time it where you can get those ordered, we get them printed, and we get them to you before the 4th of July. So you go to all your 4th of July parties, you can still wear your Run for God swag, uh, and you can be patriotic in the process. So uh, go check out the Run for God store and and get one of those red, white, and blue uh, Run for God tees. Get them while they're hot. We can all point to someone who helped in our life journey, can't we? Those people are important in our lives, and the chances are that you have been that person for someone else. One of the best ways you can become that person who God uses to impact others is by leading one of our challenge classes. We have the 5K Challenge for Beginners, the 10K Challenge, and even Half Marathon and Marathon Challenges. You can help someone with one of their bucket list items. And the best part is that they can become closer to Christ while checking it off. Go to runforgod.com and learn more about how you can lead a challenge class today. We've made it easy for you. Check it out today. You won't regret it. And if you're not paying attention on Thursday nights, you know that we uh, we meet up every Thursday night. You have to be a Run Club member to do that now. Mm-hmm. And then you get to you can ask questions and we can go over whatever. So uh, what has been your favorite topic? My favorite topic? That you went over night? on Thursday night or that you think has been the most receptive or gotten the most uh, – Man, back and forth with people. Man, I don't know. But you know the ones that I enjoy the most are the Bible study type ones. Yeah. We did one recently called Think Differently, and mm-hmm. it was the whole idea of – and we wrap it around a running topic, sure. right? So the idea that that in, in, to, to be our best selves from a, 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 a disciple standpoint mm-hmm. is we have to change the way our mind thinks. And the Bible tells us that once we accept Christ as Savior, we do think differently. But the same thing applies to our running. Mm-hmm. And so when we get out there to run, a lot of times our brain is telling us one thing, but we have to be able to channel our thoughts in a different way to become better runners if that's what our, if that's what we want to do. Right. Right. So I like those. Um, obviously, people are real interested. Uh, we recently did one on running form. Mm-hmm. People always like that. Yeah. When we talk about running form, I try to do that one about once a year. Yeah. And um, people like that one. That's why I do that one as often as I do. Yeah. And then the other one that people like to hear about, they like to talk about injuries. Yeah. I guess because we've all gone through that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. we We'll take one particular injury on a Thursday night, and we'll, we'll kind of beat that one to death, and then we'll do a different one the next week. and. We yeah. did a series back, I guess, probably in the fall, where we did the five most popular running mm-hmm. injuries. So, Well, don't forget, if you're out there and you've got an idea or something yeah. you want to hear about, shoot a message to Dean, and he'll uh, he'll get that in the queue and maybe cover that one Thursday night. But those are those are really good. Absolutely. A lot of, a lot of back and forth on those. It's That's a, right. It's a great time to put your thoughts out there because you may teach Dean something. Who That's, knows? 
you know, we don't know everything. So join it's, us on Thursday nights. It has happened before. Yeah. 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 And most probably more pressing than that is we need to hear your stories. Mm-hmm. We still know there's so many of you out there. I think we called you out last podcast, but by the time we recorded this one, that one hasn't been out yet. So, so next we're, week, we're cutting we'll, we'll you a little bit of slack. We'll see if it worked. But yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. If you haven't done it yet, then you need to get, the, you need to get on it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I saw where they had to change the Cleveland Marathon course, and people are happy about it. So uh, lots of turns and out and backs, and it's just really convoluted. And I thought this would be a good time to talk about races in general. You know, very often there's something you don't like about a particular race. And a lot of times what people don't realize about that is a lot of times the race organizer didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Very, very often um, the Cleveland Marathon in this case had to neco- they had to negotiate with city officials on where they could and couldn't go. And that, that kind of changed things for them and, and what they could do. And their goal was to make sure that as you ran through the, the Cleveland Marathon, it is the Cleveland Marathon, is that they went by the landmarks of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And so you go by all these important landmarks. But they get there in not the most direct way because that's what city officials would let them do. Yeah. Um, you know, we used to do a race down in, in downtown Dalton, near downtown Dalton. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had some – there were some – it finally got to the point where the restrictions and the things that we had to do to comply were just too hard to sure. do to keep up with. And that's not denigrating the Dalton folks at all. It's just they have to do they, – they've got to please a whole different set of people. Yeah, it's how many times did we, did we have people who lived in the area complain about things oh, that man, we were doing? You can't doing. stop people from going to get their Hardee's biscuit. I mean, we, <laughs> we learned that. That's right. Yeah, so, I think through the years we've learned, or what I've learned, there's three things for me for a race now, and you probably can name them. One, it's got to be simple. Yeah. I, if it if it means going out to see something cool or simple. Well, the Cleveland Marathon just broke that rule. I know. It's got to be simple. (laughs) Number two, it's got to be marked so good that if no volunteers were out there, you still know where to go. And then number three, got to get the timing right. Yeah. Man, have I – you know, we talked years ago about trying to get into the timing because at the time we were doing enough races where it made financial sense to get into timing. I said, that would be like me as a recreational photographer going to take pictures of somebody's wedding. Yeah. You can't go redo it the next day. Yeah. And you want somebody that does it all day, every day, or very frequently to do that. And, of course, we got one of the best timing companies around, the Carpet Capital Running Club. They always do a impeccable job. Yeah. I don't know how. I don't know if we've ever had a snafu with them, but, man, have I heard some horror stories. There's one company. They're, they're not around anymore, but they wanted to do their own timing, and, man, they, messed, they botched a Boston qualifier. Yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't the timing; it was the course. It was this course. The setup. course yeah, they was put short. A in the wrong place. And so I don't know if they ever got that. Did did they I, get to use their times? I think they did. Okay. I think they adjusted for it, and they they got an exception for them. Yeah, that's just. Uh, but that they had to lobby hard for it for the Boston folks. Yeah, there's to be able just to do some that. things that you're not going to get a pat on the back if you get them right. But yeah. man, you will absolutely get hammered if you get them wrong. Yeah. So it's it's one of those, those spankless things that I focus on. You remember the Chattanooga Ironman? 
is 144.6 miles <laughs> instead, of instead of 140. Yeah. Because they had all these agreements in place that this is where the course was going to go. And then apparently, like some residents or somebody St. complained. St. Elmo. Yeah. And said, we, we don't want you going through here. And they wound up having to make the course four miles longer. Yeah. It's the longest Ironman in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's four <laughs> miles. So it's kind of, a, it's made it into a novelty race, it is, really. Yeah. And uh, so there are people with these 144.6 stickers on their back of their cars. And people are like, I think you got that wrong. And they're like, no, no, I don't. No, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. The bottom line is this. Don't get frustrated with a race. You know, it's often, you know, when somebody, somebody, pull, I remember one time I was running in a race. Actually, this was pretty amazing. I was running in a race. I was in second place in this race. The guy in first place was about, I'd say he was 50 feet in front of me, like not very far in front of me. And a car pulled out in between us. I am not kidding you. He pulled out in between us. I could not believe he pulled out in front of me. But you know that car went the exact same speed we were going for like a good quarter mile at least. He knew he wasn't and, supposed to be there. Yeah. Like, oh no! And he never got. He never slowed anybody down. Never caused any problems. But what happens is sometimes people don't know. Yeah. And so if you see things like that, don't assume it's a race official that let somebody do something they weren't supposed to do either. Because sometimes that guy just he got out there and. Well, my my funniest race story has to be the very first year that we put on the run at the mill, which was a half marathon at the time. Um, this was before you came along, and I can't remember remember the guy that won it. What was the? He was a shorter Hispanic guy, ran for years. Man, man Manuel Manuel Ferrar. Yeah, yeah Manuel yeah. Ferrar. Well, he won it that year, but I wanted to do something really cool. For that race, I, was, I ran. I finished second that year. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, I thought it would be. I love old antique cars, and I have a buddy who has a Model T. And I thought, how cool would it be for the lead car to be a Model T? And so we had him out here, and he took off, and it was. I mean, everybody loved it. It was incredible. I mean, everybody was just talking about this Model T that led this race out, out and. Manuel come in, he won the race, and he came up to me in very broken English. Yeah. And he said, I said, you know, I was asking, how was it? How was the course and everything? He said, course was great. He said, but I choke behind the Model T. And I got to thinking, <laughs> they didn't have catalytic converters back then. He was breathing pure exhaust out of this 100-year-old vehicle yeah. and still won the race. Yeah. But that's probably my funniest thing. I mean, we laugh about it now, but... He wasn't mad, but he wasn't. He was basically saying, "Don't ever do that again." Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Uh, well, life is spectacular and bittersweet. That's what Helen Gentry says in this uh, story. That's called "Running Home." Within the past month, I have run multiple road races in some of the most beautiful parts of North Carolina mountains. I've run up winding roads with sunlight filtering its way through looming evergreens around pristine Blue Lake. And today I ran through a valley alongside a rushing river lined by trees exploding with magenta blooms and surrounded by mountains draped in mist. It could all take your breath away. For me, running always mirrors life. There is so much beauty to take in, so much that invokes wonder and awe. Life is simply spectacular, isn't it? Just dazzling, and yet 
so very bittersweet. Bittersweet because of the hurts that won't heal easily, the things I never would have chosen, and yet they persist in needling my heart. But then, in a way that I can't quite get my mind wrapped around, it's the bitter that makes the sweet even sweeter. Paul knew this. I think of Paul often. Scripture tells us that he had his thorn in the flesh, yet did a more joyful, passionate person ever live. I think not. Knowing that the best doctors believe that my eyesight may not last makes the splendor this world has to offer that much more stunning. Yet it's not lost on me that even in my running, which is my escape and my release when life is hard, there is a there is pain. There's a sting. Tendonitis, arthritis, and hip problems mean that, at least for now, I feel a twinge of hurt every time my shoe hits the pavement. Having to fight to run makes me cherish it that much more. Someday, I will run right out of this life and into the next. I will cross the finish line of this life, and there will be celebrating. There, finally, in a way that my brain cannot fathom here and now, there will only be beauty and wonder and awe without the bitter. No more pain or sting. I can only imagine. In the meantime, I rejoice in this truth shared by Bill Johnson. His goodness is beyond our ability to comprehend, but not our ability to experience. Our hearts will take us where our heads can't fit. With this in mind, my feet pound the pavement. I bask in the early morning sun and my eyes drink in the sights while my heart soars ever closer to him. This is what I love about running. That's a... That's a great story, Helen. You know, she's one of these. We, we get these kind of stories every once in a while. She paints a picture so vivid you can see it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, that first paragraph, my mind was in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Yeah. yeah. You know, up there. I, I think Holly and I are actually going to go back there in June where we went last year, probably right in the area she's talking about. But I just love people like her that can write and paint such a picture that it almost puts you there that's a that's a gift for sure yeah i think so yeah, i remember reading a quote a long time ago that said pain is the thing that tells me for sure that i'm alive yeah it was something like that i don't that wasn't an exact quote but um you know there's a lot of happiness in life yes um this past weekend we had a race mm-hmm. we saw a lot of happiness mm-hmm. people happy about their races and how they did prs all that stuff is great um but you know the pr really is better when you can look back and you could see, well, the last race I ran was not very good, and this one was really good. And so a lot of times it is contrasting the good with the bad that, that gives us perspective. We talked about this just not too long ago as a family. You know, we were I've mentioned on here that we're, we're about to wrap up the reading of Radical again, and that's exactly what we were talking about, the contrast and how, how boring would life be. You really got to think about this to get what I'm saying, but – how boring would life be if things were always good? Mm-hmm. Now, initially you think, well, that would be great. But it wouldn't. It would I mean, think about your favorite food. And think about if that's all you had. You would, you would grow to dislike it. There was a Twilight Zone episode. I I, I love to. You completely up. lost me on Twilight Zone. Well, there was <laughs> there was a Twilight Zone episode that that came. This guy he goes and he's in he, he's he's 
I mean, he has everything. He's dead, and he he has everything provided for him. Everything, everything he wants to do. He goes. He's got this pool table in this nice place. He's got this girl that answers to every beck and call. Every time he shoots pool, he wins. He goes and gambles, and every time he plays, he wins. And it's like every time. And finally, he gets to the point where he's like, "This is not exciting. <laughs> There's no excitement to life anymore." Right. And so he goes back, and he says, "He says, I I, I need to." You know, I thought in heaven that everything was going to be great. I I get it, but I, I just don't understand. And the guy looks at him and goes, what makes you think you're in heaven? And, and the truth was he was in the other place. because uh, because And that's the way they, they drove people crazy was by making everything perfect all the time. It really gets to the point where you hate it. Well, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, looking back at Solomon. Mm-hmm. Solomon had every. He was the richest man in history, yeah. history of the world. But he was always searching, and then he ultimately found it in, in God. But yeah, you're right. It's it's like you you. I don't know if you coined this phrase, but I always attribute it to you. You, you used to say, uh, "You got to have the bad runs." How is it you say it? You got to have the bad days, otherwise you don't have anything to compare the good to, days to. The good days, and too. that is so true. And yeah. as much as we don't like pain. It's necessary. It is, you know, what I, I was about to say it's the spice of life, but what is spice? Some spices are hot and mm-hmm. it kicks you and you don't like it, but it's, it's what gives it that, that flavor. It's, it's, it's kind of what I was talking about last week at the race, you know, with the salt and light. You know, it's that contrast, uh, which makes us appreciate the salt yeah. or the light yeah. or whatever it is. But if everything was just salt, It'd be pretty boring. It would be. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, what if you didn't have any pain at all, and you touched that stove, and it, you didn't know that you shouldn't touch that stove? That could be bad. We, we would look pretty messed up. <laughs> I know I would. I would. As much as what, I've what gotten I? into in the past. Yeah. Uh, Hebrews six eighteen through 20. This comes from the message translation, so a little bit different. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post as the high priest for us in the order of Melchizedek. You did good with that name. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I've ever pronounced it that way. That sounds like the right way, though. Well, I think that's the right way. Melchizedek. If I'm not, if yeah. I, you know, if I'm not, I apologize. No, it looks but right. Yeah. All of these, you know, reading that Bible in a year stuff, I've been pronouncing. You've all had to. Wrong. You've had to learn those names. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I I've been listening to another Bible in a year thing while I'm doing the Bible in a year thing, and it's it's a little bit behind me. Yeah. And so I pronounce a, a name a certain way, and then he comes back and pronounces it a different way. I'm like, ugh, I wonder if I'm wrong. Or I'm maybe like, you're right. He's maybe wrong. so. Maybe. Yeah. Because I've seen a lot of messages come through the system and on social media yeah. where everybody's like, Dean, you did a great job with those names today. And so, <laughs> yeah, you, you do a lot better than I would. Uh, well, we have every reason, um, you know, uh, to get through anything that happens with a smile on our face, right? There's just no matter what we have hope, no matter what happens, we have this hope. And that's what this verse is telling us is that, yes, bad things can happen. It's terrible that Rick Hoyt passed away this past week, but 
think of all the joy that came before that point. Sure. You know, there's just, there's, there's, and then think of what that means for him now. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who was born immobile. Mm-hmm. He's not immobile anymore. Right. And just imagine, I mean, it, it, we just, we have this hope and it, it goes back to that, to the book of James, you know, count it all joy. That's what it means, right? And, and, you know, Jesus, of course, he prepared that way for us in the most stark terms possible, you know, doing, doing what he did, um, you know, really, really makes us understand that, well, if Jesus can go through those things, then we ought to be able to handle just about anything. Well, and he told us that. Like I said, we, we, we've said this a hundred times on here, but Jesus did not say, pick up your easy task and follow me. Mm -hmm. He said, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Do the hard things in his name because there again, when you when you do this hard thing that's hard and it hurts and it's painful at times, then when Jesus gives you those good days, man, it's just it's so much sweeter because you got that contrast there yeah. again, like we said. And remember it's temporary, right? Yeah. I mean the Bible tells us all these things are temporary. It's, a blink. it's all temporary. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. First Peter five seven, live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. Again, another message translation of First Peter five seven. Um, I never heard that translation before, but it is kind of interesting. Um, you know, this is kind of at the end of that "cast your cares on Him" verse, mm-hmm. which we all we all love. Um, but when we live according to verse five five in the same chapter, it says, "God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble." What what does living carefree mean? Well. Living carefree means living based on relying on God. That that's mm-hmm. what it means. And I think we we think of a different we think in different terms when we think of that word. But I I like I like that they use that word there mm-hmm. because I think that's so descriptive of what's going on there. Um, and then when we do that, of course, you know it says then it says the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Um, well, we can rest easy knowing that God's got what, whatever we need. He's got it. He's fine. He's He's going to take care of us. We don't have to worry about the devil who's acting. Remember that he's acting like a lion, like like a, a lion. Royal, royal yeah. lion. Yeah, yeah. And um, we we don't have to worry about him. It's mm-hmm. sort of back to the Psalm twenty three we went over last week when we when he talks about preparing a table in the in the presence of our enemies. enemies. Yeah, right. It's we don't have to worry when God is on our side. We shouldn't run from those things. That's right. That's right. We should have peace during those things. Yep. And it should give us some a little bit of courage to try hard things. Yeah. You know, if you're out there and you've you've thought, man, I'd love to run a marathon, but I I don't think I can do it. Boy. We've seen a lot of people get through that. I don't know why I'm thinking of this, and it's because I saw it right before you walked in the door. I I did a quick check of social media right before you walked in. I saw this video and it just it's it's in my head. As soon as you said line, this video popped in my head. It's a video of a line drinking water, big, huge line, and this turtle swims up to it. And right in the middle right where the line's trying to drink, so the line moves its head and it starts drinking over here and the turtle just moves over there and that's a picture of what you just said i mean yeah. we have the armor of god the turtle wasn't worried because he's got a armored shell around him he's he's not yeah. worried about that line but so many times we take off when we just need to if god has us there 
He's got us there for a reason. And if we're in prayer and we're in his word and we're walking hand in hand with God, we've got that armor around us. And yeah. we should not fear. But so many times we get up close to that line or we hear that what sounds like a line being the evil one. And, and we take off and we run. And we just need to park there sometimes and just be still. Kind of like that turtle. I mean, it was a hilarious video. I don't even yeah. know how you could find it, but it was a funny video. <laughs> there can't be too many lion and turtle videos. No. <laughs> <laughs> Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. That's strong. It is, and it's uh, you, you, it's hard to even read Isaiah fifty three five without getting emotional about it because um, you know when you ask why the question a lot of people ask why do bad things happen to good people well mm-hmm. here is the worst thing happening to the best person mm-hmm. so so for us to go back and, and think in those terms I, that's what I think of when I think of um, just. The, the whole idea of the crucifixion, but we get so hung up on bad things, and and you, you gotta, and this is so hard to do, and I'm I'm saying it like I I can do it all the time, and I can't, but we've got to have an eternal perspective on what bad things are, because how many times, how many things do we look back on and say, oh that was really a good thing, but in the moment we think it's the worst thing that ever could happen to us, and so many times. God allows us, you know, all things work together for the good of those who love him. If he's allowing it in our life from an eternal perspective, it's not bad. Yeah. It's temporary. It's it's we're looking at it as a bad thing. We're getting all dramatic about it. And if we'll just take a step back, a lot of times, mm-hmm. even while you're in it, you can see it. But we've got to stop and and close our mouth sometimes and just look around and listen and pray. You know, we just had something happen in our Sunday school class this past week. Um, we had a guy whose son was killed. Hmm. He, was, he was young. And he he was mad at God. And he he basically became an atheist, he said. At that point in time, it was like, I just don't believe there can be a God who would let something like this happen. Sure. And he went through some really, really tough times. And he came back to our church because something got him interested in watching our online videos. Hmm. Now, why do we do our online videos? We did them. We started doing that at the point that COVID hit. Hmm. We know we had never done it before then. Most so, churches hadn't. Right. Yeah. So you had, you had the, the, the terrible thing about COVID happening. You got somebody's child dying and now you've got a, child of God with a very strong faith mm-hmm. and I mean is very bold about his faith today out of two circumstances that were really really bad all things yes work together that's right COVID yep and the death of a child yeah it's, it's oh, as horrible as that sounds but we yeah 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 and listen, if you're out there and, and and you don't understand this verse, let, let this is something we talked about last night in our our kids group. Um, there are a number of things in the Bible that were predicted that were going to happen that happened 400 years later. This is one mm-hmm. of them, right? Mm-hmm. This is where basically Isaiah is, prophes- is prophesying and saying, "Here's what's going to happen 
<laughs> and he, he describes what's going to happen to, to a T. Yes, to uh, to Jesus. If you're out there and you still have these questions, I, I invite you, first of all, to go to runforgod.com forward slash peace with God and find those videos mm-hmm. to, to understand a little bit more about what salvation means. But also go back and look at just Google prophecy in the Bible and look at there's 300 different prophecies that were fulfilled mm-hmm. that were written about 400 years before they happened. And then they happened down to where Jesus would be born and how he would be killed and the fact that they were gambling for his clothes. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of that is in there. And so very specific. Yes. Yeah. So don't. Yeah. If you have doubts, if people have convinced you that, well, you know, there's there's nothing that proves that that Jesus is is who they said he was. Check out that stuff that was absolutely written 400 years before it happened. And you'll you'll you may change your mind. Question, in which places and ways are you currently experiencing God's beauty? Are you taking the time to truly soak it in? You know, it's not hard this time of year. Uh, Before you got here, I had been in here most of the morning working, and I just, I said, I got to get outside. I'm I'm an outside guy, and I just, I walked around and just got out on the road and just walked up and down the road, and, you know, the weather's cool here today, and, uh, or not cool, but it's nice, low humidity. Um, it's a it's a prelude to what we know is coming. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just getting out in creation, out on a run or a walk and, and just turning off the headphones and and or me, I like to get out on my tractor um, and just being out in nature this time of year really is is the best way to experience God for me. Yeah. Um, and then seeing the things that he's doing. You know, not only in my life, but in this ministry. Like I said, we we got some crazy, exciting things coming up, and um, it is it is. I can't wait to tell the story. Yeah. It's crazy to see God's hand all over it. Yeah, and um, I think you would agree it, with that. It, yeah, oh, a hundred percent. There's so many things that we. Let me give you a good example. An example might be social media. We talk down about social media, and there are reasons to talk down about social mm-hmm. media for sure. But there's also reasons to 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 be so glad that social media was created. Um, you know, some of the kids that I taught in a youth group when when they were kids, and I lived down in South Georgia. I, I've not seen them since then, but I've seen them on social media and I've seen what kind of lives they're living and it's really cool. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known that without it. Um, there's all sorts of good things mm-hmm. that happen out of it. Um, you know, the personal computer. Mm-hmm. I, I read a quote just yesterday about uh, it was Bill Gates saying, and it's going to be amazing the things that we can do with the computer in 30 years. And of course, this was a meme, so it was somebody doing some crazy stuff on a computer. But, but the truth is, is the stuff we can do is really, really cool. Sure. And uh, so, there's so much beauty in everyday life and everything that we do, the things, the people that we come in contact with, the things that we come in contact with. Um, and don't forget that it's not just the stuff that you know. I was driving by our church and I was looking at the flowers and stuff out there and the flower beds, and it's just beautiful, mm-hmm. and that's great. And it, it is, and I love to look at that kind of stuff. But there's even more to it than that. Sure. 
question in what areas of life are you currently experiencing the sting of hardship how has the lord spoken encouragement to your heart this week in the in these areas you know it's questions like this that i hate to even answer because like i said at the outset of this podcast there's always somebody that has it worse yeah um so it, it's you, you kind of pause to even answer it but i think for me right now I, I, we haven't talked about it on here but you know, I went through the 5K grade. I went through the 10K, uh, ran a great time, and uh, ended the half marathon, and, and my knee issue started back up again. And it's, you know, it's one of those things that I'm probably just going to have to finally go to the doctor. But um, I'm walking again. Yeah. And what God has shown me is that's okay. You know, as, as a runner, and I've, I've both times that I've walked, I've, I've struggled with this, of the optics of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Gosh, you're the run for God guy, and you're out here walking. And, and but every time I do that, God just reminds me that it's it's not about this ministry is not about walking. This ministry is not about running. It's not, even though it says it all over our shirts, all over everything that's printed. It's about pointing people to Christ. And if I can point somebody to Christ by not being able to run and having a, a great outlook on it, and in fact embracing it. Then maybe God's got me there for a reason. Yeah. And um, so yeah, but it stinks. I want to, I want to run, but I can't run now, and I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah. Well, you know, I just, I just gave up a college coaching job, which you know, typically college coaching jobs are hard to, hard to get. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, and I just gave, and so there's there's a little bit of bittersweet to yeah. to having to having to do that, and uh, but then I I had one of the couple actually i've had three girls contact me in the last week mm-hmm. um that just made all of it feel so much tidier and nicer and neater in the yeah. end and um that was i think it was just god's way of saying just you're doing the right thing everything's going fine mm-hmm. <laughs> don't don't fret right um he does that for us Last question. How can you be an encouragement to someone who is struggling with a challenge as they run their race this week? Well, this week, let me tell you what happened this week. My dad, he's 79 years old, just turned 79, actually two days ago, three days ago. And he was in his first head-on collision in a car at 79 years old. The first head-on collision or first wreck? First head-on collision. Okay. I think it may, may have been his first wreck. May have been. I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, um, I think it was first wreck, actually. Uh, my father's overly cautious. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys you get behind and you you might get frustrated. <laughs> you would get frustrated. I would get frustrated. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, but anyway, you know, it's he's hurting. Yeah. Right now, you know, the airbag deployed. He was actually a passenger. Um, oh, wow. The airbag deployed and, and got him in the chest. And, he, you know, he's having a hard time breathing. And my father has enough medical issues to start with mm-hmm. that um, he, he's got enough to deal with. But he's thankful that he's alive and that he's still kicking um, because it could have been a lot worse for sure. But I have the opportunity now to... I, I don't. I usually talk to my father about once every month or two. I don't. Mm. I don't talk to him that often. Um, 
But now I feel like I need to call him every day. Maybe God's saying you need to talk to your dad more often and you need to encourage him more often. And uh, I don't know. I just, that just came to mind when I was thinking about being an encouragement to somebody else. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's funny you say that. You know, I, Holly was sick for the past two days. She was basically in the bed for two days, uh, just a, a virus or something, nothing serious. She's back up and at them today. But you're right. It's, you know, she got down and out for two days, and I felt like, I mean, I was calling her. I was coming by here and and probably doing all the things that I need to do on a daily basis. Yeah. Kind of like calling your dad. Right. You know, that yep. I would say, yeah, that's something you need to do more of. Yep. I need to check on my spouse more yep. than I do. And so sometimes it's those things that give others a reality check. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, how many people do you hear of where they lose a loved one? And you never hear them say, man, I, I went and saw them too much. No. They never say never that. Happened they never happened. They never say that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and very often being supportive of somebody else, you know, a lot of times people like, I've heard people say, I don't like to go to funerals because I don't know what to say. You know you what? Don't you say don't anything. have to say anything. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact you're there yeah. and that, that that means the world. Sure. Uh, and so I, I, I'm I'm awkward socially myself, and so um, <laughs> I, I get that sentiment for sure. But uh, but I also know I'm going to be there. Yeah. You know, I went to my granddaughter's program this morning she didn't get any special awards or anything she struggles in school it's hard for her to get through classes and things but you were there but i was there yeah and she knows that i love her mm-hmm. and she gave me a hug afterwards and it was the best hug ever yeah. you know because yeah. that's what they told that's what they said about her she walked across stage bella gives the best hugs ever. yeah so um so, yeah it's just being there sometimes right Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run For God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it with the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you are participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or any of our other challenges, or you're just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at runforgod.com. I know that this is not running related, but have you heard about the orcas who are attacking ships? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, Wait a maybe I have. Maybe I did see something about that. Near the Iberian Peninsula, apparently, orcas are teaching each other how to go after ships, and they've gone after uh, what is it? There's, they've gone after, they've attacked over a hundred, and they've sunk three of them. And ships? What, ships. what do you mean by ship? Well, boats. Boat. Boats. Okay. Yeah, but but fairly sizable boats. I mean, they're they're learning how to back up and run, ram them. Yeah. And stuff, and they're teaching. They're teaching their other orcas this. You know, orcas really? are smart. That's yeah. why they're oh, yeah. in these these shows yeah, they learn, and stuff. Yeah. For sure. Uh, but yeah, and they think it started in 2020. What in the world is up with 2020? Everything crazy happened in 2020. <laughs> 
I don't think anybody's been killed by the orcas, but this is this was a, a an excerpt from from something that said uh, experts suspect that a female orca they call White Gladys suffered a critical moment of agony, a collision with a boat or entrapment during illegal fishing that flipped a behavioral switch. That traumatized orca is the one that started this behavior of physical contact with the boat, Lopez Fernandez said. Wow. Is that crazy or what? Now, there's no telling what the bears are going to start doing. I mean, <laughs> but here's the thing about the bears is I know enough people with guns. <laughs> yeah. That's not going to last too long. <laughs> uh, orcas attacking boats. That's that's yeah, crazy. That's interesting. All right, it's a time for Dean's thoughts, and that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. And speaking of boats, this one is called the Vasa. The Swedes were becoming a powerful nation in the 17th century. As their prominence rose, King Adolphus commissioned a ship to be built for warfare. The result was a ship by the name of Vasa. It was one of the most ornate ships ever built and sported 72 bronze, 24-pound cannons. It was a beautiful ship. It was a large ship. It was a powerful ship. The day came in 1629 when the ship would sail for the first time. Thousands of people gathered to witness the the spectacle that was Vasa. They watched as the crew readied the ten-sail ship to work its way out of the harbor. It was going to be a glorious day, a triumphant day. The ship pulled away slowly on the little breeze that was running through the harbor. It was every bit as beautiful and majestic as everyone believed it would be, until it wasn't. You see, less than a mile into its voyage, As it was leaving the protection of the terrain around the harbor, and with most of the crowd still watching, a strong gust of wind forced the ship to roll substantially to its port side. It righted itself as the crew, I'm sure, sighed in relief. But then a stronger gust of wind blew the ship again, and this time, the open gun turrets, which were open to perform a salute for the commissioning, filled with water. The ship could not ride itself, and it sank rather quickly, just minutes after it set sail. Have you ever tried to do something you weren't ready for? We've all done it. Maybe you tried to run a marathon after missing out on much of your training. I remember deciding I would run 50 miles in one day. I made that decision the day before the attempt. It wasn't the smartest thing I've ever done. (laughs) Chances are that you went into whatever it was with full knowledge of your shortcomings. It turns out that many people had doubts about the ship Vasa, but they were afraid to tell the king. There are many lessons to learn from Vasa. First, pomp and circumstance is great, even fun, but function is much more important. Don't forget that a successful training plan can look great posted on your refrigerator door, but what really matters is the sweat that goes into executing that plan. All the social media posts in the world will not make up for the missed long runs or the track workouts. Second, let others help you in your endeavors, whatever they are. If the king who had commissioned the ship had asked a few questions of those around him to solicit their help, he may have heard that the ship was not seaworthy. It would have prevented a lot of embarrassment and hand-wringing. Surround yourself with people who are not afraid to tell you what they think and will help you succeed. 
finally, it turns out that the plans for Vasa had changed multiple times as it was being built. The original plan called for a one-gun deck, but it would not allow all 72 guns to be employed. The hasty decision to add a second deck of heavy cannons in all likelihood was the biggest factor in making it top-heavy. When you start a plan, things are going to come up. You'll have to make adjustments along the way. But make sure those adjustments are not so drastic that they would derail your training completely. There are areas of the Bible that are absolutely black and white. Jesus is Lord, and he died for our sins. The question of salvation comes down to Matthew sixteen fifteen, when Jesus asked Peter, Who do you say that I am? Period. And there are many other very black and white issues in the Bible. But there are also gray areas. That may not be popular to say, but I believe, for example, that the Bible does not indicate what type of music we should listen to. After all, there was no such thing as hip-hop or country music in Jesus' day. But we must be careful not to make black and white issues into gray issues. There are things that the Bible speaks very clearly to that I see churches twisting to make them acceptable. Sin is sin. And yes, we all sin. The Bible is very clear on that. But we must call sin, sin. Don't be like King Adolphus, who turned his head the other way and didn't acknowledge the truth. In our spiritual lives, the results could be far worse than a sunk ship. We need to be careful with our training plans when we need to tweak them, and we must understand and do our best to follow the black and white issues of the Bible. Eternity is in the balance. Hmm. You ever heard of that ship? I haven't, but man, that that's a failure on of epic proportions. Yeah. I mean, a big ship like that. And I, I mean, I can see how it happens. Everybody's just turning their head and turning their head. Somebody knew. Somebody had a gut feeling that that was going to happen. Oh, for sure. For sure. The stuff that I read on it, there was no question that there were people. Actually, they did a test, and they found that in the test mm-hmm. that it wasn't really ready. And But the king was like, we need to move on. And nobody, everybody was afraid to tell them. Sometimes, sometimes it hurts to make corrections you know this kind of made me think of one time uh i think it was volume two of devotions you you probably remember this um we uh and it was my mistake it yeah. was 100 percent my mistake i was the one that was did the final proof you know the final copy proof to make sure everything was where it needed to be well we had, i think we ordered five thousand devotion books which is expensive i mean it was tens of thousands of dollars and uh, these books come in and we open them up, and there was like 50 pages printed upside down. My heart sank. I ran in and got my final proof, and sure enough, it was like that on the proof. Now, you can argue all day long somebody made that mistake, but I was the ultimate set of eyes. And, uh, you know, for a half a second, you start thinking, people will give us some grace. Yeah, but no. What did we do? We had a dumpster back in here, and we threw every. I mean, it was forty, fifty cases. Yeah, of these devotions in the. I mean, it hurt. Yeah, but it would have been far worse to send those out, and that's kind of what happened here. You know, we feel like we get in those positions where we have to. We compromise. We compromise. We sin. Well, I, I've, I'm kind of backed in a corner. No, there's. There's never an excuse. Like you said, it's, it's yeah. black and white. Sin is sin. And yeah. we can never, we should never let our guard down. We should never compromise when it comes to those things. Yeah, I remember there being an issue one time. It was, it's one of those, it's, it's one of those polarizing issues. 
and I'm not going to bring up what it is, but it's it's something that's if you talk to somebody who is a Bible believing Christian, they'll tell you one thing, and then there's other people who in churches who twist this this issue around and they say, no, 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 that's not really a, an issue. And so one day I I decided I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to look at this thing from a I'm just going to say okay I don't know anything and I'm going to go through and I'm going to and I'm going to look at it and I came up with the the right answer there's no mm-hmm. question there's absolutely no question whatsoever and here's what I would encourage everybody to do is is when you come when you hear something that doesn't sound like if there's a controversy in an area, go to the Bible yourself. You'll find that mm-hmm. most of the time the issues are really black and white. You may not want it to be black and white. You may not like that issue. There are people who don't like the answer the Bible gives on the particular subject that I'm talking about. But it's what the answer is. Well, I would say that most flawed theology that's in our churches today started just that way. Yes. A, a pastor took some liberties in stating this mm-hmm. and then you know once you state it you got to keep stating it mm-hmm. and nobody went and checked so everybody just started believing so that by the point it that person did actually go read it in the bible then it's like well i've already stated that i believe that so i'm just going to say well that's not what it really means yep. and i'm convinced that's how a lot of our th- flawed theology comes about you know it's one thing i love about my pastor Charlie, he'll be preaching just about every Sunday. He'll say, "Don't, don't believe what I say." Yeah, go. That's why I love that he still preaches from the Bible. Yeah, and he asks everybody. You know, he says, "Pull out your Bibles or turn on your device." You know, here nor there. Yeah, but he wants you reading it because he 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 doesn't want to be responsible for. Something he could say is an honest mistake, sure. and so, yeah, you don't don't just take people at face value for what Scripture says. Go read it yourself. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Well, one of the other points of this story, though, I think that that's important from a running standpoint, um, is you you need to listen to your body when you run you hear that all the time listen to your body but you got to be you, you got to be careful and honest again we're back to that honesty thing is is it is it not seaworthy or or is it okay it's just not in in the best shape and i can still sail this thing you know um because there there is a there is a happy medium you know, I haven't felt really good ever since that marathon in January. Mm-hmm. Every day, I've, I've run every day since that marathon, and I haven't felt good since then. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who would go, you know what, this this just hurts too bad. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take a few weeks off. You can do that, but I know what's gonna happen if I take a few weeks off. I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna feel lousy anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm gonna keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so be be careful with that. Um, you know, I talked about in this story about changing your your plans. Here's the difference, okay? This, whenever you change your plans, your your whatever your your plans are, for, you know, you've got a, a training plan, and if you're going to change it, it's like building a house. Mm-hmm. If if you're going to build a house and you you have these plans to build a house, and you start building that house like you're starting into your training plan. You can't just add a bedroom or add a study. You, you you have to that has to be planned out ahead of time. But you can change paint colors. 
You mm-hmm. can change your countertops. There's there are things you can change, and there are things you can't change, and you need to discern which ones you can and can't, and um, and understand which ones will impact you in a big way and which ones won't. I mm-hmm. think that's the bottom line. What it comes down to. Would you like to experience the Bible in a different way than you've ever done before? Well, you can join me, Coach Dean, as I read through the Bible every day for a full year. We go through the hard-to-pronounce names and all. In addition, I share running and walking tips and some inspirational quotes along the way. Get your daily dose of the Bible from a runner's perspective in the Run for God Run Club Walk Through the Bible. You must be a member of the Run for God Run Club to get access so if you're not a member join today if you are a member just find a walk through the bible under the nationwide challenge tab all right every week i share a reason why running and or walking is so awesome and this week i'm going to share this one sleep hmm Matt, you will have better quality sleep if you are a runner, or even if you're a walker. Uh, you'll sleep deeper. You'll sleep more efficiently. Uh, so there's a lot of people that think that, well, I don't have time to run. But the truth is, is that if you get into good shape physically, you'll require less sleep. And you'll be more alert and be able It'll to be do more. be more sound sleep, yeah. That's right. And so... Uh, yeah, it won't completely make up for whatever it is that you're doing. You won't, you know, you're not going to sleep an hour less a day to make up for the hour of running that you do, but it, it it'll help. Sure. It'll help a lot. So, sleep is a good reason. All right, how about this we talk about how about we talk about paces. So, in our training plans, we basically have four paces that we talk about, right? Mm-hmm. We have easy pace, which is all this is based on your mile time trial pace. We just try to make it very simple. And so, your easy pace is about 2 to 3 minutes slower than your mile time trial pace. Your threshold pace or your tempo pace, depending on what you want to call it, is 1 minute slower than your mile PR. Um, and then interval pace is about 24 seconds slower than your mile PR. And then repetition pace is your mile PR pace. And those are the four paces we, we have. Now, what we've learned, me as the guinea pig, is this also works for walking. It does, yeah. You can go do a mile time trial on the track walking and use these exact same paces. That's and right. it works. It'll make you a faster walker. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, because yeah, you about killed me. Walking a half marathon after you went through all the training, yeah, and I hadn't been through yeah, the walking it's, training. It's, it's crazy, and yeah. you know, I, I went back to running until my knees started giving me fits, and now I'm back to walking. I'm walking every day now, but for the first two or three weeks back to walking, I was sore. Yeah. It's crazy how how different muscles that it works, but it uh, the principles are still the same. It is. So here's the question: Why do we have these different paces? Um, well, the truth is, is that each of these paces does something different mm-hmm. to your body, right? So to explain how our energy works, our, our, our muscles need energy, mm-hmm. right? And so we, we try to feed our muscles energy. Well, how does it get it? It gets it through mitochondria. Mm-hmm. Some people call it the powerhouse of the cell. Uh, and, and the mitochondria are very important to supplying energy through your blood vessels, Right. What we're doing with those different paces is we're doing two things. There are two ways to increase the amount of mitochondria, the amount of energy that gets to your muscles. Mm-hmm. One is to make more highways mm-hmm. to get there. 
The other is to make those highways actually three ways. The other way is to make those highways bigger, mm-hmm. right? They, to get there, and and the third way is to have more cars on the highway mm-hmm. <laughs> or more mitochondria. And each one of those paces does something different to create that atmosphere. So, if I can if I can get more mitochondria. And then if I can build highways to make those mitochondria that are wider and so I can get more to my muscles, well, now I'm going to be a more efficient runner. I'm going to be better at running. And that's what we're trying to do. And that's why we run at different paces. So Mm -hmm. if you ever wonder why do we have these in our training plans, why does it ask you to run at different paces? Well, that's why. Because each one of those paces is designed to do a different thing in your body. Right. And some of that, some of it also is is mental and other things, but... um, but for the most part, physically, it's it's changing the physiology of your job to make you a more efficient runner. And so what does that mean? Well, here's what that means, okay? So let's say that you run your mile time trial, and let's say you run eight minutes for your mile time trial, and your tempo pace will be nine minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, we've seen people that go out and they're like, I just can't do it. I just can't run the nine minutes. I just can't do it. Well, here's the thing. If you ran the eight minutes for the mile, yes, you can mm-hmm. do it. You just have to get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. And you have to get over the mental barrier because it's all between your ears if you're not doing it. Because based, we know, we know 100% based sure. on your mile time trial that you can do that. And so uh, um, if, this, this, this methodology is not new. That's right. And another thing I want to say is, the way Dean is framing this is it's it's very simple the way he's framing it, and that's the way you need to keep it. Mm-hmm. There are so many plans out there that have you do double back flips, design it this way, and you got to add this and subtract that. And I'm not throwing off on all those, but the more simple you can keep it, the more likely you are to stick with it. Yep. And this is this is this is not something you came up with. This is something you can Google on the Internet. I mean, it's the Jack Daniels or there's several of them out there, the McMillan. But all of them are basically the same. This is this is stuff that has been around for decades. Yep. And it works. And that's how, you know, growing up teaching these uh, kids, coaching these kids running, some of the parents would be like, well, he can't run that fast. And we'd say, yes, he can. And he said, no, you don't understand. We would say, yes, we do understand. Yeah. <laughs> now, we there's all kind of reasons as to – why he's not but the fact that he can or can't is settled we know that physically physiologically he can't that's right now the reason you're not is up for debate and that's always the problem is what's between your ears what's what's limit what is the limiter yep and it's not ability very often it's in the brain Mm -hmm. yeah for sure for sure well, you know, it's that time of year. I don't know if you've noticed, but you know it's professional track season. I haven't noticed. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I know how you are. But, uh, High school track is wound down, and it couldn't wind down fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got some pretty good stuff coming up. Um, you know, um, uh, they had a race. Christian Coleman, who was mm-hmm. the American – uh, national champion raced uh, Noah Lyles, and they're very they're opposite runners. So it was a really fun race to watch. Christian Coleman, fastest starter in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he got off to as fast a start as he did in this race as he did. But I mean, boom, he was out of the block so fast. He opened up probably a good five meters on Noah Lyles. 
because Noel Isles. This is in what distance? Four star, a hundred meters. Okay. And um, you know, it's like five right, meters. Yeah, it's wow. like race over, and then all of a sudden, Noel Isles just starts chewing the track up and just run. Gets and that diesel engine going. He got within got within two hundredths of a second of him. Wow. They, they were so close at the finish line. Uh, but it was it was really really fun to watch. But here's the thing that Noah Lyles ran the second half of that race faster than Usain Bolt ran the second half of his race when he set the world record. Wow! So uh, maybe, maybe big things coming up. Maybe hmm. we'll have a hundred meter world record. Now Usain is he retired now? Yeah, okay. yeah, he'd been retired for a little while. Yeah, but uh, yeah, well, it's about time we start. We need that record in America anyway. I mean, you say Bolt's a great guy in Jamaica yeah. and all that, but yeah. we, we need it in America. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, some good good this weekend. Jared Nagus is racing in Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Can't wait to hear about him. Jakob Ingebrigtsen, he's kind of the cocky guy, ain't he? Yeah. 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 But he usually backs it up. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have a trivia question for this week. Here's our trivia question. When a marathoner is running the race, there is often a point at which it gets really hard all of a sudden. What is that called? And why do we get to that point? You know that one. Mm -hmm. So if you know the answer to that, you're the first one to respond. You can send that to dean at runforgod.com and win $20 off in the Run For God store. Free stuff. Free stuff. Free stuff is great. All right, I'm going to leave you with this motivational thought of the week. You either get bitter or you get better. The choice does not belong to fate. It belongs to you. That comes from Josh Josh Ship, who is an author and motivational speaker. Hmm. To get bitter or you get better. One or the other. Your choice. So which one are you going to do? Which one are you going to do? If things aren't going your way, Focus on getting better. Do whatever you're going through. Focus on James in the book of James. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Don't forget to review our podcast and like five, it. Five stars, it. right? Five stars. Isn't review. that the rule? Five stars. You have to give a five star review. If yeah. you can give it a one, just change the channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't listen to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Until next week. May God bless every step of every run and or walk. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.